Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. So yeah, we're going to continue into um, the life of Elijah, and now we're being introduced to Elisha. So I'm just going to jump right into it. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19, starting at verse 19, and then we'll read to 21. When you are there, say amen. That was a third. Give it a second. That was pretty good. That was fast, guys. I don't even know if I'm done that fast. All right, verse 19. And if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the Sky Bible. So... He departed from there, let's talk about Elijah, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. And to follow God fully, we must understand as Christians the cost of the call. We have to understand what that actually means. And before Elijah was even sent to anoint Elisha, um, we find him in this moment, a chapter before, that he's struggling personally. That he had just went toe-to-toe with King Ahab and the prophets of Baal and all Israel and called him out like, guess what? You're going back and forth. Is it Baal? Is it God? Who is it? Decide today who you are going to serve. Right. And so he you see this guy, he is all in. He's completely sold out. He's got ridiculous faith. And then God answers him by fire falling down from heaven and consuming the sacrifice in all of Israel. King Ahab, everyone saw. Talk about a spiritual high. Right. Like I've been to some really cool worship services, but seeing God rain fire down from heaven, that's a whole different level. That is intense. Like, okay, this thing is legit. Like, God is serious right now. And so you see that he has this huge spiritual high. And the very next moment, he's running for his life. He was threatened by King Ahab's wife, Jezebel, and he is on the run. And he's in a place where he's just feeling tired and alone. And he's at a point where... He's been faithful, but it seems like everything he's done, all his efforts have been futile or futile, however you want to say it. That everything that he's done, it seems like it's not making a difference. He confronted Israel, he confronted the king, and yet they're still not completely sold out to God. King Ahab has not turned from his wicked ways, and yet his wife comes and threatens him. And he's like, what is the point? And I wonder for us today, have you been there? Where you feel like you're doing, you're all in, you're sold out, you're praying, you're reading your word, you're loving people, and it seems like there is no change happening in your life or other people's lives. Have you served and given your best, and yet all you see is failure? Has anyone else been there in their life? You can raise your hands. It's okay. I won't call on you. I promise. This isn't school. And it's showing us that God's call on our lives does not come easy. It's not easy. We do have those spiritual highs. 
doesn't mean that every day is easy because life is hard and spiritual warfare is draining on us. It is real. We're in a real war with the enemy, and it does take a toll on your life. And we can learn something from Elijah here that we see and we read how close he was with God, and yet he quotes, he says, only I am left. He's talking to God, and God's like, what, what are you doing here? Before he tells him to anoint Elijah, he's like, God, I've been so jealous for you. I've been so zealous. I've done everything I possibly could, and like, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that really serves you. And he's feeling completely alone. So I want us, if you're feeling that way today, to be encouraged. You are not alone. That God is still with you. And he, and he wants to encourage you. And not only does God remind us in those moments that he's always there for us, but he also sends people to help us as well. And this is exactly what he does for Elijah. He understands where Elijah's at. He's understanding that Elijah needs a companion. And so he's like, guess what? You're going to go and anoint Elisha. And he's going to be your companion, and then he's going to take your place as a prophet. So the answer for Elijah in his loneliness became a companion that he would not only have to disciple, but train to take his position. That was God's answer. You're lonely? Guess what? It's time to disciple. You need somebody. So you need to feed into somebody to make sure you are not alone. They understand exactly what you're going through. And initially, this was really, really funny to me. Okay, because I think weird sometimes. And so when he anoints Elisha, he's walking by, he sees Elisha and he's plowing with his yoke of oxen and he just walks by him and throws his cloak on him and just keeps going. And I was like, that that's kind of silly because there's no big speech. There's no Elisha. God has chosen you. Let's get out the oil. We're going to have the ceremony. Call your family. It's a big deal. Like David, when David was anointed king or Saul was anointed king, it was a big ceremony. And Elisha, all he gets is throwing a cloak on. He's like, God, yeah, you're anointed. Hey, what's up? And he's like, oh, what's going on, man? It's like, yeah, you're anointed, by the way. And so for me, it, it, I thought initially maybe it's because he's a little annoyed by Elisha or maybe a little annoyed about his situation because he's feeling alone, he's feeling sad, but then he's told, hey, guess what? Um, someone's going to take your place. And you're like, whoa, that's not what I was asking. I just need a little help. I don't want someone. And then maybe even when he saw Elisha and he's plowing, he's like, this guy, this guy's going to do my job. Have you ever been there? You've seen the person that you have to train or disciple, and you're like, really? I don't know if they got it, man. I don't know if they can take care of them. I'm really not sure. And so initially I was like, maybe. Is Elijah feeling some kind of way? He's like, you think you can take my job? Like the Lord's appointed you? And so for us, we can really, it's easy to get weird about this sometimes. And you see that person and there's like, your pride almost keeps you from growing other people. Because you don't think they can do what you've been doing for a very long time. And maybe some of us have been there. Don't let your pride keep you from growing others because God wants people that are willing. And he knew Elisha was willing. He knew Elisha needed to be discipled. He knew Elisha needed to be trained. But it wasn't Elijah's job to say, hey, you're not good enough. I'm not going to train you. You're not worth my time. So if God has placed people in your life to train and disciple, don't give up on them that easily. If they're willing, they're teachable, continue to train them and bless them. Because guess what? They could be the ones helping you in the long run and helping you in your loneliness to be able to carry the burden that God has placed on your life. So initially, that's what I thought. But the closer you look into it, 
Elijah says something to Elisha that just jumps out. And he says, what have I done to you? And I looked at a different translation, New Living Translation. It says, think about what I have done to you. So he throws on the cloak, and, and Elisha's like, hey, can I go kiss my mother and father and kind of say goodbye? And he's like, think about what I did to you just now. Think about the gravity of this opportunity that God has placed on your life. Because Elijah knew something that long-term followers and disciples of God have learned, that the cost of following God day to day is difficult. Before you jump on board and you think you're all in, think about it. Think about what God is really calling you to. Think about the cost. And Elisha says goodbye to his family, and Elisha just tells him to consider the gravity of the call. And for us today, following Jesus should take some thought and some consideration. It shouldn't just be something like, yeah, I'm a Christian, I prayed one time, and, and Jesus is in my life, and I incorporate him. It is a lifestyle to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Because that is what Jesus is wanting out of you. Him above everything else in your life. And the reason why we can have a problem with this is because once we claim Jesus as our Lord, once we are exposed to the darkness and sin in our lives and we see the light, then guess what? You claim you follow God, then he's going to discipline you. And he's going to disciple you. And that hurts. When we live Contrary to God's word, when we live against what God is saying to live out in holiness, then guess what? He has to correct us because now you are a child of God. He wants the best for you, but he's got to train you and he's got to teach you. And so Jesus says it this way. In Luke chapter 14, verse 26, he says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And jump to verse 33, it says, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's intense. Think about what Jesus is calling his disciples to do compared to everything else he is above at the top that compared to your love for him it's almost like you hate every single thing else every person everyone you're close to because Jesus has to be that high up on your ladder of priorities it's him at the very top and that's what he calls us to do so how does Elisha answer this call well he ends up sacrificing what has been making him wealthy he takes the oxen, he takes the yoke, and he makes this, this big sacrifice, boils the flesh, and then has a party for all of his neighbors. He's excited about this new call on his life. He's excited that God has chosen him to do something. And he's proving this. He's saying, God, I am now trusting you for my next meal. Because he gave up what gave him food to trust and follow God. That, God, I'm giving up my old life. I'm giving up my old job. I'm saying goodbye to my family. I'm all in. I can't even go back to it because now it's gone. It's gone. There's no way I can go back to my oxen because guess what? All my neighbors just ate them. <laughs> right? He sacrifices everything. And it's funny, but think about the gravity. Of Do you follow Jesus like this? Are you willing to sacrifice everything that you have to follow the call that God has placed on your life. Do you know that God has placed a call on your life? 
Every single one of us. There's something that he's called you to do that you should do. But are you excited about it? Because Elisha in this moment, he's like, man, I am so stoked that God chose me. Yes, let's have a party. Are you excited about Jesus or are you closet Christian? Like, I love praising Jesus when we're all here. Everyone's Christian. This is great. Around other believers. And you're like, you listen to worship music? Nah, bro. Not really. Cardi B. What, what? You know what I mean? And not saying you can't listen to certain types of things. But if you're ashamed of Jesus, then that's not showing that he is at the top of your priority list. Amen? And for a lot of us, God doesn't make us actually sacrifice our families or sacrifice our jobs and actually like, listen, everything that you used to be has to die completely, your old job, and you've got to jump into something completely different. That's not always what he wants. He wants that heart attitude, though, that if he asks you to do it, you would do it. If he asks you to give up your job, would you do it? If he asked you to, to, to give up everything and go be a missionary somewhere, would you do it? And if you're putting your family above him, if you're putting your job above him, his finances, whatever it is, expect a test to come. Expect that to come where it's, okay, it's this or God. And God will allow you to go through that, not for him so he can see where you're at, but for you to see where your heart actually is where your loyalty actually lies. So if you're going through that and you're trying to figure out, do I actually love God? Well, when the test comes, you'll know. You'll know if you're completely sold out. It's just like when when Abraham was told to go sacrifice Isaac. It's not that God wanted a child's sacrifice. It's because Isaac was years and years awaiting this huge blessing from God. He's like, are you willing to give up what I blessed you with to serve me, to trust me, to lean in? And he was willing. He was faithful to God. And that's what he desires for us. He wants you to have that attitude where you are faithful to him. But he actually, he desires to bless you and give you the desires of your heart as long as you delight in him and you put him above everything else. That's what God wants. That's what following Jesus actually looks like. So what is the cost of the call? It's anything that divides you from trusting and following him. We are to be willing to risk anything and sacrifice anything if God wills it. Is that where you're at? Are you there in your walk with God? If he calls you to sacrifice something, something you love, are you willing to do it? Because you never know who God is wanting to help if you would just trust him. And I wonder how long Elijah would have been lonely and feel in some kind of way if Elisha hasn't stepped into the call that God put on his life. Because, yeah, Elisha was supposed to be discipled and trained, but he was a big help to Elijah. They got close. And Elijah was at a point where he needed a friend. He needed a battle buddy. He needed someone to be there with him. So I wonder, is it possible that you are causing someone right now to indirectly suffer Because God is wanting you to follow him wholeheartedly, but you're staying at a distance. Could it be that someone right now is possibly needing a companion? They're needing someone. They're needing prayers. But because you won't step in, they're alone. How many people can you impact and love if you would just submit to Jesus and step into your calling? 
I think about the example of this church. If Pastor Matt and Stacy did not give up everything in Texas, we wouldn't be here. This church wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have cool growth groups. We wouldn't, I wouldn't have all of you as friends. Hopefully, y'all are my friends. If not, well, sorry. I, I like you. But think of what we wouldn't have. We wouldn't have an awesome worship team. We wouldn't have the, the kids' ministry. We wouldn't have youth ministry. We wouldn't be able to bless all the missionaries that this church is blesses. That who knows how many people around the world we have touched. And that's only, and even for myself, like be able to step into one of the callings of my life, being up here, learning how to do this thing called ministry. I would not have had this opportunity if they wouldn't have said yes in the first place. Because they stepped into what God called them to do and were faithful. All of this was a product of that. What is the product of your faith and your calling if you would step into it to fight the fear and trust God through it? Amen? You could be the relief and the blessing that someone needs, but they won't get it if you don't jump into what God has called you to do. So a lot of time passes, and Elisha has followed and assisted Elijah for a long time. So turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 2, and we'll start at verse 6. And we'll read through half of verse 12, or it'll be on the Sky Bible. Verse 6 says, Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as Elisha speaking now, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. That's pretty awesome. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elisha went up in a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And as Christians, we have the right to make a request for power. Elisha has learned that the only way that he can make an impact on the people around him, his nation, Israel, surrounding nations, villages, is if he is filled with God's presence and God's power. The only way he is going to walk this out is if he's anointed and has God flowing through his life on a daily basis. He has learned that in himself, he is nothing. It's got to be God doing it. God is perfect. God is holy. God is righteous. It's got to be him working through Elisha because Elisha cannot do this on his own. And with Elisha, he has this attitude that there is nothing that is going to stop him from pursuing this. Nothing. We learn this with his answer to Elijah's commands. He's like, now stay here. God's called me here. He's like, nope. Where you go, I go, bro. I'm following you. I'm going where God has called you to go because I know that's where God's presence is. 
Elijah has given up everything to learn from this man of God, and he isn't about to stop following now, especially since he knows Elijah is leaving him soon. He knew in advance that God was going to take his teacher. He knew it was going to happen, so he knew this is not the time to leave. And there is no way that Elijah was going to be shaken because three times this happened. We only cover one of the scriptures, but it happened three times where Elijah's like, you stay back here. God's called me here. He's like, I'm following you, man. I'm going in. I'm all in. I'm pursuing this thing. Are we like this? Are we persistent when it comes to pursuing God? Do we really dive in? Are you persistent when it comes to praying? Do you pray for something and don't see it, and a week later you're like, guess it's not God's will? Or a month even, or years even, do you stop praying for it? Do you stop believing that God can do it. Because Elisha in this moment is a great example because he is pursuing God. He is all in and he is not going to give up. And it's funny because Elijah's like, stay here. Stay here, I'm going to go. And he's like, I know, I'm going to follow you. And it almost looks like, it seems like Elijah's trying to shake him off, testing him. Are you really going to follow me if I tell you no? Has God ever done that to you in your life where it feels like God is trying to shake you off even? You don't get the answers or the circumstances you want. You pray and yet you still feel spiritually dry. You ever been through that season? I'm praying, I'm praying. It's just not happening. Like you're reading the Bible and man, it used to come alive. And now you're like, I'm getting nothing. I don't know what is going on. And you feel like God has given you the cold shoulder because now you're seeing other people come to you and they've got great praise reports. I prayed for this and God did it or, or this and that. And you're like, why didn't he do that for me? I've been praying for the same thing for a long time. It's ridiculous. And you start feeling like maybe God is abandoning you in some way or he's pushing you away. Can I encourage you that if that's what you're going through, that God is never far from you. And he does hear the prayers of his people. God promises to do that. But maybe you're in a place with your walk with God where he does not want you to remain stagnant. Because he is trying to lead you somewhere deeper that you have never been before. And he's trying to test you. Are you going to follow me when it's rough? Because over here, where I want to take you is hard. And this battle is going to be hard, and you are going to need to know who you are in me. You are going to need to know that you are not abandoned, you are not an orphan, and I am there for you. But you've got to follow me now. You've got to dig a little deeper. We've got to trust in and lean in God when it doesn't seem like he's answering us. When it seems like everything is going wrong, circumstances aren't going right, we need to continue. That's where you need to get deeper. That's where you need to trust God more because he's trying to teach you something. And he's leading you into a battle that you can win as long as he is on your side. Don't give up when you feel dry, but seek living water from Jesus. Spend more time with the Holy Spirit. Ask God the hard questions. Go deeper into prayer. If you've done the same type of reading of the Bible, you read a chapter a day and you pray for 15 minutes, that's not going to work for 10 years. There are seasons in your life where you need to go deeper. You need to go harder. You need to pray more. You need to seek God more. He doesn't want you to be a stagnant Christian. He wants you to grow. Like Pastor Matt said, if you're not growing, you are dying. Don't die as a disciple of Christ. 
And as Elisha crosses the Jordan with Elijah, that's the question that asked is, what do you want? And it's funny because Elisha had to follow Elijah faithfully before he fully stepped into the power God desired to give him. You imagine if Elisha would have stayed back those times and he would not have crossed the Jordan with Elisha. He would have never been able to make his request. He would have never been able to get his blessing. Don't miss your blessing by not pursuing God, by giving up when it's hard, by giving up when you feel like you're spiritually dry. But keep going. Your blessing is waiting for you, I promise you. And Elisha says he wants a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And that's not, what do you got? I want double it. Exactly. It goes back to Deuteronomy where it's the rights of the firstborn. That's what he's wanting. I want this inheritance from God. I want God to be on my life like he is completely on your life. He wanted what Elijah had. And Elijah responds saying, this is a hard thing you're asking. And not because like, Elisha, I know you, bro. Don't think you can take it. I'm way better equipped. I'm more called. I've got more God in me. It wasn't that. It's because he knew the weight of his calling. Elijah had been faithful. He had done what God had called him to do and saw God in miraculous ways, physically with his own eyes, not just his spiritual eyes. And yet he still felt alone and depressed and felt like it wasn't enough. And he knows that Elisha having that call, he's going to go through those moments. Because everyone wants that position until they're there. And then it's real. It's like, oh. So it's a lot more heavy than I thought it was going to be. Heavy, that position. And Elijah knew that for Elisha. But to fulfill his call, he needed God's power. And Elijah leaves the decision up to God. If Elisha sees him ascend to heaven, then God would fill him up with power. That's what he said. Let's read on and see what happens. The last part of 12 through verse 15. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. And this is an amazing example of God's power manifested. Elisha now, he's got the inheritance. He has the power flowing through him. And we have to understand for us in this day and age that God does want to flow through us still today. Do you know this? Yes? Two of you. That's amazing. For the rest of you, God wants to flow through you. He wants you to be bold when you pray for people. If you look at it, when Jesus, when he prayed for people, man, things happened right then and there. Right then and there. Lame people up and walked. Blind people could see. Dead people came to life. You know, as that inheritance, we are allowed to do that. We are allowed to pray and seek God for miraculous, and it actually happens. When you pray for people, don't always just assume, yeah, you'll get better in heaven one day. But believe it could happen right now. Believe it. Trust God in it. 
Desire to see God flow through your life in that way. We should want to see God work miraculously because it verifies the gospel. Every time God performs a miracle in the Bible, it's verifying who he is and what he says is true. I am the Lord. Trust me. I've shown you. Now trust me. With Jesus, he's like, I'm the son of God. Boom, boom, boom. I can do all these things because God's flowing through me. He's verifying I am who I say that I am. And even with his disciples, we trust Jesus. Jesus is the only way into heaven. Boom, boom, boom. Here are the miracles. People are like, okay. It's, it, it's coupled. And we can't be so consumed and jump to the other side that we just want to see the miraculous. And we forget about the relationship with Jesus. That should be the most important thing that we seek after. Because I know a lot of people that that's all they seek. Like, I want the word of knowledge, I want to pray, I want to see healing, and they just seek that and seek that and seek that. But yet they have people following them that they are not discipling. They are not teaching how to grow in their spiritual maturity. And so miracles cannot substitute relationship. And if you determine your walk with God based solely on just witnessing miracles, then when you stop seeing them, you're going to get nervous. You're like, what's wrong with me? Why isn't God, I'm, I'm doing everything, I'm, I love Jesus, I'm praying for you, and yet there's no healing happening. What's going on? That's what happens when you base your relationship with God just on miracles alone. And it's something that I had to struggle with when I first got saved. Because I was radically saved, and I was like, okay, this is what the Bible says. I pray for someone, and they're healed. If they're not, something's wrong. What's going on? And I went to this conference, and there's this lady behind me, and she had health issues, and I'm praying for her, man. I'm like, yeah, Lord, you can heal her right now. It's amazing. I'm so pumped. I'm so amped. I'm, I'm so high emotionally and, and, and loving this lady and just like, you're going to be healed. And then nothing happens. I'm like, what? I was like, let me pray again. Pray again for nothing. Nothing happened. I'm like, all right, my faith must be whack because this is not working uh, obviously it's not her fault. It's got to be something in my life. Maybe I'm not as I'm saved, but I'm not sanctified maybe, or I'm saved, but I'm not set free. I don't know. And so it happened again. I went and heard this other evangelist and he preaches this awesome message. And I'm like, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm a Christian now. This is fantastic. And then we have this big prayer service afterwards and everyone's coming down and we're laying hands. I'm laying hands on as many people as I can. You're blessed. You're blessed. Love you. Healing everything. I'm going crazy, man. And I'm like, I'm not physically seeing it because I want to see something intense. I want to see God do a miracle, like, in my eyes. I know I want that verification, right, or that validation. And so this wheelchair, this guy in a wheelchair rolls up, and the dude's missing his leg past his knee. And I'm like, Jesus is about to pop that leg out. <laughs> it is going down, man. And they wheel him up to the center, and the evangelist has his hands on him here, and I'm like right behind him with a hand on the shoulder, like, I'm going to see this. I'm ready. Jesus is about to do something. This is amazing. And so we're all praying, and we're praying, and I'm like, I'm kind of in, but I got an eye peeking because I really want to see this leg pop out because I've never seen that before. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be fantastic. And we're praying and praying and praying, and, and everyone's praying. So people are speaking in tongues, and it's just like, oh, this is awesome. They're playing worship music. Perfect atmosphere, right? Nothing happens. <laughs> Nothing. So I'm like, I'm sad, and I've, I've got a long walk to the back pew, and I sit down, and I'm like, God, what's up? What's the deal? Why? Do you not do this anymore? Do you not, I mean, heal people miraculously? Do you not work in miracles anymore? 
Like, and I was really struggling at this moment. And I was like, God, please just verify that I'm actually following you. Verify that I actually have a relationship with you. Verify that you still do this. And then I guarantee you, he tells me to look up as I'm praying. And I see this kid walking up the aisle so happy. And his dad is holding his crutches in one hand and a cast in another, just giving praise to God. And this kid's leg just got healed, like can walk perfectly fine. I was like, oh, it happens still. I was like, yes. But I say all this to say miracles, they do happen still. I have several examples of this. Maybe you do too. But we can't be so consumed that that becomes the focus other than our relationship with Jesus. Amen? Because Oh, that always needs to be the takeaway for a miracle is to verify God's power, to verify that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, and he completely sets us free. He is the one that makes us righteous. So with Elisha, he saw Elijah leave, and now he's alone, but he's filled with this inheritance granted to him by God. And how do I know this? It's funny because the one piece of clothing that was left behind from Elijah was this cloak. I was like, why didn't it stay with Elijah? And as I'm praying about it, God was telling me, because it wasn't his. That's how he anointed Elisha. This cloak represented the mantle and the inheritance that Elisha received from God. And that's why it was left there, because it had become Elisha's. It is no longer Elijah's. And maybe for us, you have been told something by God, a dream or desire or vision and you haven't seen it come to fruition yet. Be encouraged that God's promises happen in his time and not ours. Not always when we want it. But what God promises, he will fulfill. He will do it. And this cloak now that Elisha has, it represents something much more than when he first had it on. It represents something even deeper, and he appreciated it more. And that's why God doesn't always give you what you want right when you ask for it. Some blessings you won't appreciate at first. There are things that you're praying for and have prayed for that need time to manifest. Like you don't give a baby a brand new car, right? They can't steer it. They can't drive it. How are they going to use it? There are some things that you're praying for that God does want to give you, but you are not ready yet. He is trying to go. He wants to give you his power and authority, but you have to be discipled first. And that's what Elisha goes through. He goes through this process of being discipled and growing spiritually. And really, a blessing from God can look like a trial if you're not ready for it. Because if Elisha right then when he had the cloak, I was like, boom, you're a prophet now. And Elijah just walked away. He would have struggled a lot harder than seeing how this has walked out, what this actually means to be a prophet, how you handle with people, how you listen to God, how you actually serve God. It would have been a lot harder and would have been more like a trial than a blessing from God. Amen? So he verifies with where is the God of Elijah? He's wanting to know, God, is your power flowing through me? So he says that, smokes the water with a cloak, and then it parts. And it's God answering, I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm not going to leave you. Just like I was with Elijah, I'm going to be with you today. And God does still that. He still does that for us today. He reminds us that he is ever near and present. And as you follow God with your whole heart, he does the imaginable. You'll be used in incredible ways that you never thought you'd be used by God. 
And other people are going to notice. Because with Elisha, as soon as he walked past the Jordan, the other prophets noticed, like, he's got God's spirit all on him. And that's something, if I can be completely transparent, that's what I want people to see in me. That I love God. That I'm faithful to God. That I'm not perfect by any means. I don't pretend to be. I do not have it all figured out, especially the baby coming. I'm probably going to be crying for like three weeks straight. I don't even know. But I want, when people see my life, to be like, he loves God. He loves God. I want to eventually, and I hope you desire this too, to be like what Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Do you do that for people? Do you inspire people? Because we are called to disciple people, other nations, to bring people to Jesus, to point people to Jesus. And that means doing it in front of Christians and people that are not, non-believers alike. So I'm going to leave you with these thoughts. What do you desire in life? What is your goal that you're working towards right now? What's your big goals, your little goals? And if it is to bring glory to God, are you willing to sacrifice anything to follow him. Is that something you're willing to do? And do you recognize that you need his power to actually fulfill your calling? What God has placed on your life, you cannot do unless he leads you and guides you through it. There is no possible way. You've got to be all in and trust him with your whole heart. Is that where you stand? Do you understand that? Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.